Welcome back into the Fast Break Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and I'm joined by Justin Klimmer and Keith and Foster. And man, when I tell you that the NBA season has been great to start, there's been a lot of teams that maybe we thought were going to be a little bit better than they actually are. Some teams that we thought were going to be bad that are much better. Uh, so for this, the theme of this episode is kind of like just the things that have stood out to us, some of the surprises to start the season. And if you and if you're talking about NBA surprises this season, there's you have to start in Utah. Like there's no way else that you can't start anywhere else. I agree because like we all know, obviously, with the media portrayed Utah situation to be as an obvious tanking situation. The Victor Wimbanyama spot, but they, they were just getting ready for him. Honestly. It honestly was a blessing in disguise for Laurie Markkinen because everybody always talked about him in the Bulls days. Like, I don't know if you guys remember where, like, Bulls fans were, like, really hyped up about Laurie Markkinen and his potential, and they were really upset that things just weren't working out. Went to the Cavs. It was pretty decent, but obviously not what he is now. He now gets to an offense where I cannot say controls it, but he has more free-flowing to do what he what he wants to do in the offense, and now he's yeah. his potential. And he's the number one option. Like, he's the number one scoring option. I mean, he's averaging almost 23 a game, uh, which is, I'm pretty sure, the most of his career by far. Let me call him Lori Bird. Lori Bird? I like oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. We might need to chill out a little bit on all that. But, I, I mean, I see a, I, I see what they're saying, though. But, yeah, career high in points so far for Lori Markkinen. And I think when you look at the rest of the team, this is a team, they have, like, a lot of good players, right? And I think that's what people, like, kind of underestimated is that they don't have, like, a superstar. Like, they don't have a superstar player. Like, Laurie Markkinen, as good as he has been, he's, like, he's on, like, the borderline all-star spot. You know what this team kind of reminds me of now that you're saying this? It kind of reminds me not to be, like, a homer, but sort of like how those old Grizzlies were, not in, like, the team construct, but, like, the fact that there's no real star player, and it's, like, Mm -hmm. a committee. It's, like... It's just a committee. Like, they all play together. If you watch them, the ball is constantly moving. Um, it just seems like they're playing free basketball out there, honestly. And it just makes the Rudy Gobert trade look so much better for the Jazz. Now they actually have – well, it, it's hard to project this roster. I, I'm trying to think. Like, we're, they're 13 games in. They're 10-3. and three. They're the one seed in the Western Conference. Nobody expected this. I mean, uh, um, I know I had them as a shoe-in for the 15th spot. Like, you saw the Jazz. You're like, oh, Webb and Yaba next year maybe. But – yeah, it, it's really difficult just to think about how far this team can go, and because they don't have a start, like that, that even make makes it even more difficult. But yeah, Markkinen has been balling. Um, it's been fun seeing uh, Jordan Clarkson. Just <laughs> somebody, some I saw on Twitter. Somebody said um, he hoops like he's got to drop the kids off or something. I, I don't know, <laughs> crazy. But he's like top five in the in the league and made three. So. Um, I guess I got to watch some more jazz basketball. I can't believe I'm saying this. Well, th- well, and this is the thing about the jazz, right, is that sometimes you see this and you're like, okay, this uh, this is fluky, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is not fluky. If like, you actually, like, exactly. If you actually, like, like especially when I was seeing them play us, uh, the Grizzlies, because the Grizzlies played them twice, and I've just seen, like, a couple other games. Like I was saying earlier, if you watch them play, the ball is constantly moving. like, mm-hmm. And that puts so much pressure on the defense because we already know last year the jazz was a high-volume shooting three-point team. Always now, have been. Right? Even, though the, even yeah. though the team isn't the exact same, you've been seeing Laurie at the five sometimes. Yeah. The five out, we know he can stretch the floor handle. So it's a lot of moving. That puts a lot of pressure on defenses when you're constantly moving. 
Yeah, that's really cool too, because uh, you saw in Cleveland last year they would try to fit him in at the three spot, and, and I think that that was pretty weird. Now he, um, him and Olenek are, are the big guys down low, or even on the perimeter. So, so I have a question for you guys. All so right. Obviously, we said that the we thought the Jazz was going to be terrible. So, if you were the GM of the Jazz and you're seeing this, do you believe in this team enough in the future to be like, okay, this is what we're going to stick with? Or, I don't okay because Utah is in you a gotta big build, market to okay this, this so are, I think right now they're they're a playoff team this year like they are a playoff team based on what I've seen based on what I've seen in the first thirteen games of the season but if they have this roster they keep this roster together they are a playoff team now if they play Denver in a playoff series if they play Memphis in a playoff series if they play Golden State in a playoff series if they play I don't know the Clippers in a playoff series. I don't know if they have the firepower to actually win that series, and it's always been like that with the Jazz. Yeah, like, like, and I think I like they're. I don't think they're an elite team, like in terms of playoffs. Now for the regular season, who knows? With like, I don't think they're going to be the one seed, but they could be. I think they could be a top six seed based on what we've seen so far. I agree. At worst, they're going to be in the play-in if they fall off a little bit. If there's some injuries, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm ready to say this is a like a championship core or anything crazy like that. Like they're going to be contenders if they find another piece or something. But I also think the jazz are in an amazing situation because they have all of those first round picks that they just got from the Gobert and the Donovan Mitchell trades. And if they want to, now that these guys are playing so good, not saying they should do it, but there's going to be a team that's going to offer a first-round pick for Jordan Clarkson at the deadline, probably. I honestly agree because Jordan Clarkson and marketing too. Like, if you really wanted to, if you Kelly wanted to go Olenek full well. tank, like Kelly Olynyk, if you want to go full tank, they could outdo the Thunder. You can get even more first-round picks right now, and then start next year. Mike Conley is and be awesome. Name yeah, right. So it's like exactly like you said. They have a lot, a lot of pieces. In the grand scheme of things, when you think about it, and then they still Colin Sexton is young, Jordan yes. Clarkson, and is Colin young. Sexton has been really good off the bench. Exactly, Jordan Clarkson is young. I'd already say that. Laurie Marketing. they have young core pieces that are assets to be traded. So, like you said, we already know that they're not a big market. So, I don't feel like they just tear it down if they keep building on this momentum. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they're going to. But it's just like if they if they wanted exactly. to, they could. Exactly. And I think that's why like the Jazz are in one of the best situations in the NBA right now. Yeah, their their new coach Will Hardy, he's like thirty three or thirty four, one of the youngest in the NBA, and you're seeing him kind of build a winning culture already, which is just baffling. And that I think that's so important. You can't because like I hate when um, people will see the Jazz and like, oh, why are they? What are they even trying to do? Why don't they just try to get Webb and Yama? You have to build a, web, a winning culture, a respectable team. Because mm-hmm. uh, another factor is you are Utah. There's people aren't co- going to come to the Jazz because you're in Salt Lake City. Many people, for many people, that's a uh, uh, detracting from going to the Jazz. But um, I always love to think about kind of the Brooklyn Nets. How um, back, you know, that super fun scene with uh, D'Lo, Levert, Jared Allen. Um, didn't win um and they yeah. kind of built that winning culture obviously those those pieces didn't stay there for long but they were able to build a winning culture that attracted stars like kevin durant and kyrie irving which at the time was really good for them obviously it didn't work out but you know who wouldn't take those two of course and you have to think about it from a player's perspective like coming in imagine the whole season off season you're hearing about somebody coming in to try to replace you 
like a lot of these players, like the Jazz, a lot of people that was on the Jazz, that was just the first seed fighting for the contender. Like a lot of people had them as true contenders, and they have a, still a lot of the same pieces. So imagine you're Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, you just you're you was just a high seed. Now everybody's just planning on you to lose. So I feel like obviously nobody wants to lose. Like this, no, you can't just tell somebody, especially when you were just one seed, like. We're going to try to lose every game. As a player, as a competitor, I don't think that that's just something that you would take lightly and just accept and want to do. So I, I think, honestly, we're just seeing the, the, them playing with a chip on their shoulder this season mm-hmm. um, just because, like, they, they heard everything that everybody said all season. So yeah, I just feel like that's that's really one of the keys. And then, like we said, it just feel like they're all on the same agenda this season when they're playing. Yeah, definitely. And then talking about the Jazz, I think going, like, the other direction – because of the Rudy Gobert trade, you also got to look at the Timberwolves as well, like kind of what's going on. Like, yeah, like they like. Well, this is the thing, right? I think I said it on the first episode. People were putting the Timberwolves as like an elite team. I still didn't think they were quite there. Like, not an elite team. Like, I thought they were going to be maybe a little bit better. But I feel like when you look at the kind of stuff they lost, like losing like Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt and guys like that, like those guys were good for them. Exactly. Those guys were very good players for them last season. And that like the bench is just the bench is not as good as it was. And I think their bench last year was so important, right? And then you look at it, their bench isn't as good as last year, but from a plus minus perspective, their bench has been better than their starting five. Exactly. I think I've seen something where he said they their starting five is like one of the worst statistical lineups. Yes, it yeah. it, it has it hasn't been good. De'An- well, D'Angelo Russell is I think he's graded as the worst uh, defensive point guard in the league. Yeah, um, and, and and that's the other thing is that Rudy Gobert, you bring him in because well, this is what I also say. Brandon Clark might have caused the worst trade in the history of the NBA. Like right now, I'm thinking the Rudy Gobert trade. Could end up being the worst trade in the history of the NBA for the Timberwolves. After Clark looked like Rodman for one game, don't understand yeah. it. No, well, because th- this is what happened, right? Brandon Clark completely like obliterated them on the boards last year, and I think it freaked them out. So they were like, "We need, we don't want that to happen again." But and I think they thought that Carl Anthony Towns playing at the four would help them on the offensive end, which it really hasn't. I don't, and I'm it's sure. also hurt them on the defensive end. Because you cannot have Cat out there chasing around fours. Exactly. Like, he's not he's not built to do it. Especially if you get him in some of these switches and, like, you're expecting him to, like, roam around and, like, do – like, he Cat has never been a I'm going to play the four and roam and be a rim protector and be able to guard on the perimeter. He's never done that. But yeah. they expected him to do it now that they have Gobert in there too. And I just – it just hasn't been the case. And then think about, like, certain lineups, like, where they're running a smaller lineup with like a stretch a, a three at the four, and now Cat is forcing the situation where he's guarding pick and rolls at the wing. You already know that Rudy Gobert isn't a great perimeter defender, so it just puts oh, I would say he might be the worst perimeter defender in the NBA. Exactly. Like honestly, so just think about all these holes that is just D'Lo. We already just said D'Lo, mm-hmm. obviously. So you have a guy like D'Lo who we just said. Who is the worst statistical uh, defender as a point guard? You have a guy like Cat who's forced to chase people around now. Then it's just it's just like a lot of stuff that I just don't see how going into that two centers. I don't understand why it's still early in the season and they still have time to grow, but I just don't understand the thinking. Just, behind yeah, that. it just makes me think about like 
I can't believe I'm saying this, but the impact of Jared Vanderbilt, like he he would always yes. he was a guy who kind of almost stood out. Like you never see him really doing anything wrong. He wasn't the best shooter, but he was always hustling. I mean. Uh, he's that prototypical like six ten wing that you really want, and that's kind of what they're missing. Somebody with that fast feet, you know, um, who's able to, to stick with the faster fours, you know, like, and that's what Cat is struggling with mightily. Yeah, and I, I think that's I think most of their problems are going to be on the defensive end, just like throughout the season, and I think that's really been the problem to start. But it's also partly because now that you have two centers in there, it's definitely hurting Anthony Edwards because he's not able to attack the rim at the rate we've seen him do it in the past, and he's forced into more like tough mid-ranges and three-pointers because they're packing the paint because you already got Cat and Rudy Gobert down there. So you go in there, and you've got centers coming over to help off Rudy Gobert because he's also not a threat offensively. So if Anthony Edwards is driving to the basket and I'm guarding Rudy Gobert, I am not worried about Rudy Gobert. I'm worried about Anthony Edwards. So he's having like two or three guys kind of converge on him when he's driving to the basket. And he's also not a good facilitator. Like he's never been a guy that he's going to find his teammates. Like in terms of like getting a lot of assists or even being like a connective passer, really. He's always been like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to score. Yeah, if he's not hitting his shots, he's not really having a big impact on the game. Exactly. And I think that's been the problem so far. Like I think he's still averaging like 22 a game. But people were expecting him kind of to take that next step this year. And that's why I was the question I was about to ask. Um, going forward, do you think that it will continue to be Cat's team? Or when do you think that Anthony Edwards will really like claim it or it will ever will that ever happen? They might have to make a decision between Dude, Kat I don't and know. And well, because I mean if you if you think about like for the potential, I think Anthony Edwards has the potential to be a superstar in this league. He's not there yet, like obviously, and I think, and I think that's the thing, is that people were expecting him to take that step towards superstardom. Not necessarily to say, because like you, you look at it like last year, like there's a lot of guys that take like a year three jump. Like you look at Maxi and Desmond Bain this year. I feel like they have taken like the next step. Now Anthony Edwards, I think, was a little bit ahead of them last year but he hasn't improved in the way that I think people would expect him to. And I don't know if it's necessarily that he himself hasn't improved, like his stats haven't improved. But I think part of that is because of what happened with the Gobert trade. Like I think that literally could be one of the reasons why. And I think it's it's hurting him more than it's hurting anybody else. Yeah, I saw a tweet earlier. It said he had zero dunks so far this season. And, you know, he's somebody you think of as a high flyer. Um you know, like uh, that dunk he had on uh, Yuta Watanabe. Yuta Watanabe, yeah. yeah. And you think about that, and then, you know, then there's all this stuff about, oh, he's eating Popeyes too much. You know, that's what Cat's saying. Because <laughs> I think right now, um, Ant weighs more than Cat because Cat had like that illness uh, coming into the season that like, really threw his weight down. So I think Ant's sitting about at 230. I'm not trying to be Weight Watchers or nothing. <laughs> But I think that is affecting his explosiveness just well, a little bit. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things that they talked about even before he kind of came to the league. Now, he's gotten better at it. But talking about, like, when he was going through those pre-draft workouts, like, they didn't think that he had necessarily, like, the work ethic of other guys because of how freaking talented he was. So he, <laughs> he didn't really have to. And then it was kind of like, I think he said he did a workout for the Warriors, like, before the draft. And Steve Kerr, like, tried to put him through one of those, like, one of the workouts they do with Steph. And it was like, yeah. It was like, he's, he can't do that. Like, he, he he's not in shape like that. 
And not that there's many people that are in as good a shape as Steph. I think Steph might yeah, be Steph, the best yeah, conditioned, definitely. not even player in the NBA, but he might be the best conditioned athlete. Like he's not ever not moving. Like he's <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Like like if you watch, it's it's ridiculous to watch. And not saying that Anthony Edwards have to be has to be able to do that, but I think that you've seen it. Like there is literally a play that went viral of him. He was just standing there with his oh, hands on his yeah. hips mm-hmm. behind the three point line. Yeah, yeah. When you're playing my career and your controller disconnects, yeah, like that's literally what it looked like. And I was like, dude, the fact that like you have you have to move somehow, even if you're just like shuffling your feet or something, man, you can't stand you can't there with your statue, hands on your yeah, hips. Four or five. Bro, that just makes me think like back to even though I remember like just at high school, just our coach, if we didn't move for a second instantly, just instantly would have got to got the game. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, they're in the NBA, but it's just like looking back at it. No, but it's it's just crazy. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like, I've seen them be like, okay, guys are moving, and maybe you're standing there. He's but like, he's standing there. He got his hands on his hips. Like, he looks like he, he looks like he's, like, waiting in line for something. Like, he, he don't even look like he's stands, on a basketball yeah. court. Yeah. Like, he looked like he was just watching the play. He was like, oh, I wonder who who's – ooh, he's setting the screen right there. Uh, uh, I think if they passed him the ball, you would, like – you know, just turn around. He's like, who you passing to? You're not passing it to me. I'm not playing. All right, so I yeah. got a question for you guys. So just to kind of switch it up a little bit. The East is – the West obviously looks like it's more stacked this year. But yeah. the East still has a couple teams who's making a push, obviously, with Milwaukee. Um, the Celtics may be back. Still not sure about the Heat just yet. I don't really know about them. But who do you guys so far thinking about who you think may come out the East? I, I would say it's not even who I think. If – if I was putting money on it, I would put a lot of money on it being the Milwaukee Bucks coming yeah. out of the East. Like, it's just no question. That's got to be the consensus, but a team that has been not only fun to watch, but just just stood out so much to me is, is the Cavs. The ca- yes, the Cavs, yeah. they look very nice, especially with that duo with Darius Garland and um, Donovan Mitchell, arguably, I'm going to say arguably, because um, you already know our duo you know, back home in Memphis, best duo. <laughs> But um, anywho, they have like a lot of good pieces. And then you have Jared Allen, who is still young. They're another team who is still young. Like a lot of people don't understand that these players, like even though they've been in the league four or five years, they came into the league at 18. So yeah. we still haven't really got to see the primes of these players yet. So Donovan Mitchell, what, how is he like 24, 25 at the oldest? He still continued to get better in his career. Now Darius Garland. We've seen him progressively get better. Jared Allen's still 24-25. He's going to continue to get better. Yeah, Kevin, Donovan Mitchell uh, just turned 26. So yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he's still he's still young in the grand scheme of things. So, Kevin Love, you have veterans like Kevin Love who's been there before. He looks young yeah. again. He looks really good. Well, he, this is the thing. is I don't I don't think he ever necessarily looked old. He just wasn't like in – like he just kind of had to take a different role. I agree. I think he looks different now because – he, he kind of he's, he's like just, re-energized because the team is good. I think that's another. That's thing. a good point. Yeah, he was like really pouty like a few yeah, years ago. A play where he just like threw the ball in bounds. Like he well, just, yeah, because well, you got to think about it. When he signed to the Cavs, he was signing to play with LeBron, and then he kind of and then it's like well, it was like him, Kyrie, LeBron, and even like J.R. Smith and D-Wade. like Richard Jefferson and even D. Wade for like half a season. He's I like, guess. what am I doing here? Yeah. yeah, but it's like when you look at it. There's nobody else from those teams that's still there, really. It's really just him. And I think that's kind of what he kind of looked up, and he was like, man, I'm still here. But then it's like I, I think 
he's kind of the Cavs have regained his trust now because of the team that they have now built, not necessarily around him, but built while he's still there. And now you see Kevin Love is not as good of a player as he once was. He's older and everything like that. But if you have Kevin Love coming off your bench and all he needs to do is shoot threes and get rebounds, like that's what he does. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you're fine. <laughs> Like they just contested threes too. Like I've seen some Cavs game. They played the Knicks. They played the Knicks earlier this season. And like Kevin Love's like he's pulling it no matter what. Like I've, I rarely see him kind of like like pass out of a, a even a contested shot. So, but yeah, so yeah, Cleveland is the two seed right now. They're eight and three, along with Boston, who's also eight and three. But I still think it's the Bucks. Like be. I don't think I don't think there's a team in the like in the East that can beat the Bucks in a seven game series if Chris Middleton is healthy. I agree. Because Chris Middleton Chris Middleton hasn't played yet and they're ten and one. And then you gotta think like the the Bucks is I just have to give a shout out to the Bucks GM because the way that they constructed their team, they understood when we was especially in the bubble where teams were walling up on Giannis and they constructed their team so nicely. They realize that they need spacing around Giannis. I'm, that's one of the best examples I've seen of a team constructing around their star player. You have the perfect stretch big in Brooke Lopez. You have another one who can come right in, and what's his name, uh, Bobby Portis. Mm-hmm. You have a nice point guard in Javon uh, Carter who just said thirty six, right, dude. And it's like show some love to Carter. He's like the oldest looking twenty six year old oh, yeah, you ever exactly. seen. Dude, no, he looked like he was forty when he was at West Virginia. <laughs> no, no, and I, so. And like like I said, so I always bring it back to the Grizzlies. Javon Carter used to play for the Grizzlies. Yeah, exactly. I never thought that I would see him be a starter on a championship contending team. Like based on how he looked his first couple years in the league, like starting on a championship contender. And he's a and he's been good to start the season. Like I think he's averaging like eight points a game, which isn't anything crazy. But he's yeah, not really Giannis. out there. Yeah, like when you have Giannis and Drew Holiday, and then eventually you're gonna have. Uh, Chris Middleton back in the lineup, which, and based on what we've seen, I think that he might be starting instead of Grayson Allen. Like, when, whenever. Yeah, Grayson's been out, right? Well, I mean, so far, they, they've kind of been starting next, like, they've both kind of been starting, like, at times. So that's why it's kind of confusing is what exactly they're going to do. Because Javon Carter has started 11 games, like, all 11 games this season. And Grayson Allen has started like ten out of eleven. It speaks to Mike Budenholzer. I've I've always, I mean, th- this is something you could you've noticed like all the time about the Bucks. They they just squeeze the most out of players. I mean, guys like Connaughton, um, even Wes Matthews, George Hill, just guys down the um, in the past few years. They're like, oh, they they actually are pretty good at basketball, and it's just great to see. I think Bobby Portis is, and Brooke Lopez are the best examples. Of I that. also think, like back to your point, which you said, I think that kind of goes to Giannis because when you have your star player, like you, the star player sets an example for the entire team. We none of us have to question Giannis' work that thick. That's right. that's shown. Like we don't have to question that from him. Just where he started to where he's now. Now nobody. When Giannis started his career, nobody would have thought that he could potentially be a top 10 player of all time at the end of it. No. And the way it's going now, and he just turned he turned it around so fast as well. So even remember, I don't know if you guys even remember, like, I think it was the finals that was talking about he missed free throws and he made, like, family members run from him every time he missed to make to show, like, his misses cost other people, like his uh, consequences to other people. And then in the finals, we see him make all his free throws. So it's just like that, see, that story. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, I heard that story too, but that's just 
it's crazy to think like the stuff that some of these athletes are willing to do. Exactly. Like, but yeah. And when I look at Giannis, it's like I, I think Giannis is the best player on the planet. Yeah. Like in terms of if you're telling me right now, I like you. You give me a fantasy draft and you give me the first pick on who am I going to pick on to start my team with. I'm picking Giannis Antetokounmpo every time. And a like, lot of that goes to, like we said, effort. Like, when you watch Giannis play, he tries hard in everything. Like, yes. he tries hard in all-star games. What this competition, the all-star competition. The preseason. The skills competition. It doesn't matter. He's in, trying. In practice. <laughs> they don't even give him, like, as many minutes up as, games. These, as these <laughs> superstars. Trying. They only give him, like, 30 minutes a game. And, like, he just ex- uses everything he, he exactly. can in his tool belt, you know, to just get those crazy. I mean, that's why his part 36 is ridiculous every year. Yeah, and then you also got to keep in mind that he's arguably the best defender, like in, in terms of being versatile, like because he can do everything. Yeah, because he he can guard. I, I mean, he can at least guard probably two through five, yeah, if not one through five. And because multiple, multiple people at the same time. Like yeah. you remember, I think it was Chris Paul and Aiden. Like that was one of the best defensive plays I've seen in the finals. Like um, it it was Paul's oop to to Aiden, mm-hmm. and he covered ground so quickly. Yes, oh, he's. And that goes back to just effort. Like, yeah, just he played like when you watch him play, like if you see your star player putting his body on the line every play, what excuse do you have not to? Yes. And then you have other guys like Drew Holiday, an example, who's playing pesky defense all the time. So just those two, I feel like they set perfect examples. So when you see that's just contagious. And there's no ego on that team either. That's the great that's the great part. They've been together, the the three that they got now, they've been together for a while. There's never been an issue coming out of Milwaukee. And people thought it wouldn't work. Remember people were saying Giannis should leave. Like some people were yeah. saying he should, I seen Giannis and Luca. Oh wait, nah, y'all remember like right after they lost that series and Malika Andrews uh like asked him a question, he like walked out mm-hmm. because she released an article like as soon as soon as they lost in 2019, I think, or maybe it was, tw- I think, yeah, I think it was 2019. As soon as they lost that series, she released an article that was like, if the Bucks don't win a championship this year, Giannis might leave. And he literally, and, and it was just like, they were trying to push, they were pushing that agenda like very hard. There was pictures of him in Warriors jerseys. There's pictures of him in Heat jerseys. There's pictures of him in every kind of jersey you could think of. Like I think I even saw him in a couple Magic jerseys. Like everybody thought they were going to get Giannis that year. Like Kings jerseys, yeah, Kings jerseys. Anybody like, and that was like the biggest story. Everybody was like, "Is Giannis going to leave Milwaukee?" And then like, I don't think he. I don't think there was ever an actual. There was never a way that he was going to leave Milwaukee because he he said he wanted to play with his brother, Costas. Uh, he wanted to play with. Uh, uh, it would be three out of the four out of the Kupos that were in the NBA, and then Coast was on the Lakers at the time, and then yeah. that of course just created. Then they were like, "Oh, he wants to come home. play for the Lakers." Giannis and LeBron <laughs> come home, Giannis, and then you know, yeah. millions of photoshops later. Uh, but yeah, and then I guess since we since we talked about a team that's been disappointed in the West too with the Timberwolves, we also got to go to the East. There's a couple teams that you could say. I think I got to go with the Heat, though. I think the Heat so far probably have been the most disappointing team. They're 5-7 and seven right now. Uh, it's been kind of interesting. I mean, I think the biggest thing is now Tyler Hero is a starter and not off the bench, and I think that's something that's been an adjustment. He's still averaging about 20 a game, so I don't think that's been a problem. Like, I think statistically, like, they haven't been bad. Like, it's not like they've been a bad team. 
They've just I feel like they've lost a lot of close games. Like they lost by two to the Pacers. They lost by three to the Trailblazers. Uh they lost by six to the Kings. So it's not like they're getting just like blown out. I feel like there's a lot of these games where they're probably like three or four plays away from winning the game, but they're just not making those plays down the stretch as you've seen them do in the past. And especially last year when they were the one seed, it felt like they were in a lot of close games, but it was like Jimmy Butler is going to put you over the top. Now, I will say in their last game that they just played against the Hornets that went to overtime, Jimmy Butler was freaking phenomenal. I agree. Because I have I have him on my fantasy team, and I was looking at that, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Wasn't he, he had, like thirteen to fifteen from the free throw line. Yeah, he so he had he had thirty five, ten rebounds, eight assists. He was thirteen out of fifteen from the free throw line, and he had two steals. He was a plus eleven in a the game. They won by five. That went to overtime. So, like, and so that, that's what I'll say. I think Jimmy Butler has been playing great. I think uh, Tyler Hero has also missed a couple games too so that might be part of it but i still just think overall they've been disappointing to start the season one thing i will say about the heat is like you said the heat we always know them play hard you usually every time you see the heat players two things you can expect they're going to play defense and they're going to play hard the team is one of the most not the team the uh, the heat is one of the hardest playing teams every single game but that being said um i just feel like they like you said, Tyler Hero coming in. It's a little bit of adjustments. Um, I trust Eric mm-hmm. Spolster as a coach. He's we as we all know, he's a phenomenal coach, arguably one of the best in the league. Um, I trust him to get it done. It's still young, but um, like you said, I just feel like I don't know, it's just something off, like you said. It just doesn't really feel quite the same. Um, I'd be more worried if there was some like controversy going on in the Heat organization. There was a little bit last year, but that was just Udonis just kind of now one team, being an old head. One team that I will say that has really been disappointing me is the 76ers. Yeah. The 76ers yes. have been very disappointing this season. That's That goes to their lack. Just They don't have a bench. It's it's so bad. Um, George Nyang might be the best player off the bench. I think they should consider – I think they should consider moving um, – Tobias Harris to the bench. I think that'd be pretty beneficial just to have a guy who you know will get you buckets off the bench. But then the other problem is their defense. They're one of the worst teams in um, contested shots. They contest like the least shots um, in in games this year. And and overall, they're just a low effort defense. We talked about kind of how Giannis sets that example and how no you can't really take plays off when your superstar doing that. Well, to be honest. 76ers are a lazy team, and they need Embiid or Harden to step up. Do you feel like Embiid? Because the last two years, obviously, we know, or people feel like Embiid has been robbed of MVP trophies. Um, do you feel like Embiid will work his way back into that MVP conversation as the year goes? I on? don't think. I don't think this season, because I don't think. I don't think the Sixers are going to be good enough for him to be in the conversation. Like, I think they they could be a top six seed still, but I don't know. If, I don't think they're going to be like top three like they have been the last couple of years in the one seed. Uh, that one year when I when that was probably his best chance of getting it before he got hurt. Uh, like that that year, like I think yeah, not last season, but the season before when they were the one seed when he got hurt near the end of the season. I think that was his that was his best chance to win MVP. So do you feel like his chances is his not his window is closing? I don't think his window is closing. I just don't think it's this season. Like maybe if they make some more moves, well, because the number one thing that you that you always see is that you have to be 
like a certain level of good. Like your team has to be a certain level of good in order for you to win MVP, or you just have to be so freaking phenomenal on your team that isn't good to be in the MVP conversation. He hasn't been like he like he's been good, and I know he has also missed some games and stuff. Like he had the flu and everything, so he hasn't played in every game. But he he's been good to start the season, but he hasn't been like Jokic last season good. Whereas if they're the five or six seed, he's still going to be on the conversation. I think that, and then when you look at other guys that have been playing great this year, there's so many people that are playing amazing. Like and I, like I like we already talked about Giannis. Like Giannis is in the MVP conversation. Jason Tatum is going to be in the MVP conversation. You look at the West. Ja, ja is going to be in the MVP conversation. And I think those are all going to be teams that they're they're going to have better records and those guys are probably going to have better stats. So speaking of the MVP conversation, um, you know Luca, he yeah, I think Luca, I seen of course, he's he has a third highest usage rate in history in the three point era that I've seen. With that being said, do you feel like that? That that is detrimental to like. I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think it like, like we haven't seen it work. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it, I think it's good. It's good enough to get them to the playoffs, and they have some pieces around them, right? Like they're going to be a playoff team. I think they'll probably win around. Like they went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Do you remember that Kobe quote where he was talking about James Harden, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how I don't remember the exact quote. But it was something similar to where that's not sustainable. And then even with the Warriors, if you see with the Draymond, where they was talking on his podcast, we was talking about their strategy against James Harden and the uh, Rockets. It was basically to tire James out, that they know that he's going to score by the end of the game. He's going to be tired. And as we've seen with Luka, it's a prime example. As the game goes on, he's constantly getting worse because his body just – it's wearing terror if you just keep doing this over and over. It's just too much on your body. At the like, end of the they, they need somebody that can at least take a little bit of the pressure off of them. Because when you look at who they have on the team, like, Spencer Dinwiddie is, a, I think he's a solid player. And I think even having Brunson last year, so it was just yeah. somebody else that you could have out there that at times he can handle the ball and Luka can play off the ball a little bit. And do it very well. Yeah, and it's like, and obviously Luka is still going to be the best. And most possessions you want Luka to have the ball in his hands. But you also want it to be like, I can throw it to this guy and he can go get a bucket or he can initiate the offense, right? Spencer Dinwiddie can do that a little bit, but not the way that Jalen Brunson can. Yeah. And then if you look at the rest of their roster, I don't know if there's a lot of guys that I necessarily trust to like initiate offense outside of Luka. And if you look at it to start the season, they've basically just been like, Luka, Luka is going to score or assist on almost every basket. Like that has been their strategy to start the season. Yeah, they need more ball handlers. They have too many like stationary type of players. Like, I mean, they have so many like Reggie Bullock, Finney Smith. I mean, we saw it last year in the playoffs. They have to rely on those guys because um, Luka's going to pass it to them. They're going to be open just because of how much attention that Luka draws. And then they went like – they comb- I think Bullock was 0 for 8 and then Finney Smith was like 0 for 9 that game. So that's that's how the wheels falls off will fall off for this team, I think. Um, yeah, you, we just haven't seen a heliocentric offense like this succeed because when it comes down to it, and you don't have anybody to defer to, because deferring to Spencer Dinwiddie will will not maybe get you to game six. Like at yeah, best. and 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 it's it's really hard to say because like not to say that that Dallas team isn't good. I think that Dallas team is very good. 
and I still think they're contenders. But it's just in order for them to win a series, Luka has to be phenomenal every night. Like, you cannot win a game where Luka has an off night. If Luka has an off night, well, you can throw that out. And then I look at it like, obviously, the Grizzlies did get blown out by the, the, the Mavericks in that one game they played. Now, there's a lot of other things that went into that. But, like I said, they played horrible in that game. They got blown out by, like, 35. One thing that the thing that we call those type of people in the TK community is we call those people cones that just sit in the corner and wait to shoot. Oh yeah, now, yeah. they got a lot of guys like that. They got a lot of guys like that. Now obviously this isn't 2K where one person can single handedly carry the offense. Uh-huh. With this, I don't. I just like you said, it's just not really sustainable. Because think about it from you're in the playoffs, seven game series, you're strictly focused on one team. You eliminate Luca out of this equation, and yeah, who is yeah. gonna? What? Who, where is the offense? Like, who is gonna step up? I, I like that two K reference you made because I guess I mean we could say Bullock and Dinwiddie they hop on the game and they just know they're sitting in the corner all night, but you know that's that's what they yeah, you know that's the, the role yeah, for sure. It's just like we no, and then no, so, so this is what I was trying to get to. This is what I was trying to get to when I was talking about the Grizzlies versus the Mavericks, and then we can move in. Like I do want to talk about the Grizzlies too, obviously, uh, before we end this, but it's like. Last year, you look at that Timberwolves series, Ja got shut down in a couple of those games offensively, like scoring the ball. Completely. Like, now he still would have, like, some good assist games, but there was games where he was only putting, like, 10, like 15 points. Like, he had a couple good games, but he but he was shut down. He wasn't efficient, like, all of that. And they still won the series in six games. If Luka has, like, some off nights and if they if they shut Luka down – there's no way that team can win the game. Like, Luka, like, when you look at his stats, he's averaging, like, I think he's averaging, like, 35, 36 a game, and he's averaging that because he has to. Because if he doesn't average that, they're going to lose. I agree. I need to watch this team more before I create my final opinion on him. I think Christian Wood it will be a big factor in to, for how far you can project him to go because – that's a different type of player. You can, I mean, he's back to the basket, or he can put on the floor, or he can stretch you out from deep. And if if he can do that well, I think um, the combination of it's got to be mostly Wood, but then a little bit of Dinwiddie just um, kind of take the load off of Luca. I think that would be pretty beneficial because I think, I mean, who else can create offense on that team? Is, is it really just Wood Tim and Dinwiddie? Tim Hardaway, yeah, Tim Hardaway can at times. He can. But he's still more. Of he a can also throw the. Guy. He can. Mm-hmm. Also, Tim Hardaway can also throw the game away. He's. He's. Tim Mar- Hardaway is one of those guys that's just. He's really streaky. Like when he's hot, mm-hmm. he's hot. He's but, the best definition of a microwave player. You but when do. he's cold, he's cold. <laughs> like, yeah, it's crazy. But when he's hot, he's like, oh, this guy's kind of nice. And when he's cold, he's like, where's playing league? Get out of here. Yeah, Tim Hardaway is definitely dangerous if he gets going. Yeah, like, and, and I think they have a lot of guys that are dangerous if they get going, right? And I think you kind of even saw that last year, like in that Suns game, which it was a lot of Luka getting going, but also like Spencer Dinwiddie play, played great in that series. Yeah. Jalen Brunson did too. So, but, and I think that's one thing is we're seeing if, like, if Jay, the loss of Jalen Brunson is going to be as big as I think it will be. Because I think, like, early in the season, like, and I think the Mavs are still going to be a playoff team. And early in the season, I think they're going to be great. But it's like as you get further into the season and as you start getting into, like, January and February and Luka is playing at this all-time high usage percentage for 40 games into the season and it's not just week three and it's week 
15. Like, that's, and I think that's what it is. I think it's like, it's going to keep building onto him. Now, I do, th- I, I will say that in respect to Luca this offseason, I think he worked on his body a lot in mm-hmm. order to prepare for that load. So, not saying that he can't do it, but I just think that it's one of those things that as the season goes on, it can, it could wear on him. And that's just something that I'll be watching for. Now, we'll see if Luka can overcome it because I think if there's anybody that can overcome it in the league, it's, it would be Luka because that dude is incredible. But it's just something that I'll be watching out for throughout the rest of the year. So, one thing, oh, so one thing that I want to say is, like, if you notice with the Mavs, with the loss of Jalen Brunson, they kind of don't really have, like, Another, because who is their backup point guard or somebody that just initiate the offense? And when you think about like things like the Grizzlies, I know we'll probably transition them soon with Tyus Jones. How we'll bring him in along with Ja and let Ja offer, uh, he'll let him work off the ball a little bit. And like we seen that with Jalen Brunson last year. Now with Luca, the team the way they're set up, it's almost like we said impossible for him not to have the ball. Because who else is going to set up the offense that we just trust to confidently work the ball up the court confidently without making smart decisions? It looks like technically their backup point guard is Faku Compasso, but he gets like no No, he doesn't. No, no. Like if you look at the people that have played minutes, the only point guards that have really played minutes this season consistently is Luka and Dinwiddie. And they, and they both start. Hardaway so like, seems like the guy who's handling the ball most off the bench. Yeah, like I, and but Tim Hardaway Jr. is also not a point guard. No. But I think but I think the thing is is that now I think they do stagger Luca and Dinwiddie at times so that when Lu, if Luca's not on the court, Dinwiddie's on the court at least. Yeah. So they have somebody else. But he's also not as te- he's really not like a backup point guard cuz he starts next to Luca. So it's it's kind of interesting the way. I mean, hey, but like I said, they've been good to start the season. So it's not to say that it's, it can't work out. And I think if they do their rotations right, they can still get away with it. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about the Mavericks, I, I, I want to see one of their, their young players to step up, like especially Josh Green or, or Jaden. Jaden or Jalen Hardy? I think Jalen. doesn't really matter. Yeah. But it's uh, Jaden Hardy. Josh Green, he's been, uh, he's, he's been improving. He's having a much better year than last year. Um, really a big part of that is he can now shoot the ball pretty consistently I think he's like 55 from three obviously a low sample size but that's going to be important and uh Jane Hardy has been balling the G League he just got called up so that's a good sign and those those two two guys can be some big contributors because you want some more bodies off the bench uh, other than Tim Hardaway carrying the ball and (laughs) Frankie Lakina but yeah uh and then since we've been talking about him a little bit the whole time I think we can just finally get into the Grizzlies conversation. Can I say one thing about the Knicks? Oh, quick? I mean, yeah, we can talk about the Knicks too. We got time, man. I just need like we just need like 60 seconds to talk about the Knicks. <laughs> They're like the most mid team in the NBA. I know y'all <laughs> saw that stat. It was a few games ago, but like they were 5 and 5, 5 and 0 oh against teams under 500, 0 oh and 5 against teams above 500, a plus minus of 0 on the year. They had allowed like 1500 some points and then uh scored that same amount and it man shoot I'm, i thought i unplugged my mic for a second but it just makes me think about uh going into the year they were calling brunson randall and uh rj the mid three <laughs> i'm not gonna lie in the grand scheme the mid things, three might be that that is right. that is a pretty mid three I'm it might lie. be an accurate uh nickname for this team 
uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, one uh, one last thing, we can go to the Grizzlies after this. I, I think we're about to we're losing Derrick Rose, which is awful. I did see because uh, he said something cryptic. I don't remember exactly what he said about um, his role in the. He said, "I don't know." Yeah. He doesn't know his role in the in the Knicks rotation, and like that was kind of like the whole allure of Tibbs. Like, yeah, Derrick Rose is is so important to our team. He is like our rock off the bench. Our our record with him and without him is, is is a lot different. Incoming Lakers, Derrick Rose to the Lakers tweets. Oh, dude! Oh, they might get the twelve seed. Then Derrick Rose to the Lakers. They're coming for that, dude. I told seed. the only reason I haven't mentioned the Lakers is because I said I didn't want to talk about him anymore. Yeah, because like, and 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 th- and this is what I'll leave it at before. Like I said, because we got the Lakers. I'll leave it at this. The Lakers are bad. Like they're just bad, and. There's nothing that they can do with the current roster that they have that can make them a playoff team this year. I saw the players on the roster want them to trade those that 27-29 pick. So I think there's some a lot of uh, disagreements between even but even if they do, it's like who like I, I don't even know who they can get that can fix this. It's ba- it's so bad. Like I think they're the worst <laughs> team in the NBA. Like the Lakers are nah, like they, they have really LeBron like James and Anthony Davis. <laughs> And they are the so worst mad. team in They're the tied NBA. For the worst record right now. I get so tight watching the Lakers. They're two and nine. As a LeBron fan, no, and it, it's, honestly, it's, they really like, dude. And it's like it's it, and it's, it's bad to see. I it's know. so like I don't even know how to find the words because it's so infuriating. Because it's like it's so easy. All you need is LeBron, AD, and shooters, and then you did the exact opposite of that. Yeah, all you gotta, all you need to know is Lakers fans are calling for Wenyan Gabriel to get more minutes. That, that's all you need to know about how how their season's going. But to the Grizzlies, um, one person that we all know that's been making a big leap this year is obviously Desmond Bain. Um, we talked about him a little bit earlier. Um, Most improved player, no question. Which is it's honestly coming. crazy to say because we a lot of us felt like he was the most improved player last year, but to have two consecutive arguable most improved seasons that just goes to show the type of work ethic but if you watch Desmond Bain his first season to now it's literally like not even the same it's player. not even the same player the only thing that's the same is the shooting is exactly. like the shooting and then we can expect him who's to say if he grew that much in two years who's to say that he's not going to stop growing so only 23, 23. exactly yeah. so Maybe we've already seen him. We're seeing him. His off-ball movement has already been arguably, other than Steph, he moves arguably the best in the league outside of Steph. Because I'll still give Steph the top because he's just constantly. Yeah, that's true. But outside of Steph, Desmond Bain, he puts a lot of pressure because you have to – teams are going to start realizing that now with him because you already have to worry about Jai at the rim. But Desmond Bain moves so smartly off the ball. And he doesn't know what a contested three is. Exactly. And he shoots. It's not even like when he does get the shot, he's shooting such smart shots. Like he's, you never see Desmond Bain force shots. He so, doesn't have to. Exactly. And so, yeah. And I think another thing that I'll say about him, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this, right? To start the season, he's been the best player from his draft class. He's been better than Anthony Edwards this season. Lamelo Ball hasn't played. You can argue for Tyrese Halliburton, but. I think he's been better than Halliburton. I think he's been better than Maxi to start the season. He's leading the NBA in fourth quarter scoring. Uh, he's averaging almost ten a game in fourth quarters. And it's we seen like that last year too, with the like we said with the Timberwolves series where Ja couldn't get it going. Desmond Bain is one of, if not the main reason that we won that series. Oh, I, I would say he's like between him and Brandon Clark. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But it's just 
it's well, ridiculous to see how gr- good he's gotten. And then like his his playmaking, which is another thing, is that he's able to take at least a little bit of the pressure off a of jaw. Like the other night, uh, he ended up like for most of the game he was leading the Grizzlies in assist uh, when they played the Spurs. So. And, and it's just like when you have both of those guys, like I think he, he's up to like f- about five assists a game now, uh, which is like if he if he's doing that, like I, I, he's he's averaging twenty five five and five right now, and it's like, dude, that's your second option. And imagine if if this was anybody else, like we're still obviously we're getting a little bit of buzz because John Morant the Grizzlies is, but it's funny that like if it was anybody else other than Desmond Bain, the media would probably be going insane right now yeah because this is kind of like news to me like i kind of i mean i support the grizzlies but I'm, i wouldn't say i'm a fan of them so um which which um, makes me think of another question i have for you guys um is there anything else that stands out about this team uh other than just this jump that desmond bain has um taken so compared to this year to last year what i'll say the number one thing like in terms of something that's not encouraging it would be the defense the defense has not been good to start the season you think that kyle missing kyle anderson is a big part of that like part well well jaron's out and it's not just jaron's out zaire williams is also out too he's we've seen him guarding stuff no and 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 i think and and i think well and also you gotta look at the first couple games dylan brooks wasn't playing either so i think that hurt I, like they have to have at least one of Dylan and Zaire because they have to be the one that can guard the best player on the other team, like in those lineups. And I think that not having both of them to start the season hurt. Now that Dylan's back, it's helping. But it's like they're missing their their best wing defender off the bench, which is Zaire Williams. So I think that's hurting them. I think when he comes back, along with the best defender on the Grizzlies and one of the five best defenders in the NBA. I mean, he was first team all defense in Jaron. I think when you add those guys, the defense is going to get better. Now, I don't think that's the entire problem. Part of it is they they help off of three-point shooters too much and like stuff like that. Like there's some like scheme stuff which they have been working to fix the last like five or six games has been much better because they were like 28th and 29th in defensive rating. And I feel like the first five or six games of the season. I feel like some of that goes to like immaturity, like leaving shooters and stuff. Like we're obviously we're a young team, but I feel like there's just certain stuff. Like we've seen it like as you just grow, as we've been watching this team over the years, certain things have been starting to change as they just start mature. But, like, little stuff, like mechanical stuff you'll see sometimes, which has got way better, but just little stuff sometimes, like you said, helping off shooters too much. Just, like, little stuff like that has been off. But to answer your question, um, my most surprising thing, outside of Jai's three-point shooting leap, I will honestly say my most surprising would probably be Tyus Jones being more aggressive. Because most of the time where we see Tyus Jones, we see him as a facilitator, like heavily getting everyone involved. He still does that as well, but now I feel like he's starting to realize that he is a he's a really good scorer. Like we've seen him, his three point shooting is going up, but I think he's starting to understand that he can actually score the ball at a very efficient rate. Like we'll see him sometimes pull up off the dribble, off through, pull up off pick and rolls for a three. We already know he could do floaters, so it's just that's that's something that's been really interesting to me, and I want to see how far that would go, especially when we get Zaire. Because I don't know if it's more so now that, okay, we don't have Zaire, so he's just more so forced to. But when Zaire comes back, I'd like to see if he'll continue that or is he kind of like go back into a more. I love how the Grizzlies develop these players. Like all these players, aside from like Tyus Jones, 
that you guys mentioned. Like these are homegrown talent. Dude, this is this is something that people always like. Whenever I say this, people like are shocked. The Grizzlies haven't signed a free agent since 2019. That's insane. Not even wow, because like everybody they've got has either been through a trade or through the draft. They haven't signed a free agent. Tyus Jones was the last free agent they signed. That's incredible. And thinking about that, it's just um, like a, a lot of these players, aside from uh, Ja and Triple J, they weren't expected to be this good. Yeah, like Santi Aldama. Yeah, like the fact that Santi. Not only the the fact that Santi Aldama even is an NBA player in the first place, let alone. <laughs> A starter on a team that's eight and four to start the season, like he, like if if you would have told me two years ago Santi Aldama would be starting for the Grizzlies, I would have been like, who, like, and who got hurt? Because like, who even is like nobody knew who that dude was. Even last year, like the only reason anybody knew who Santi Aldama was last year was because he had that crazy plus minus game against the Thunder and he blocked James Harden. In that play against and then the, the game, yeah, the game against the Suns with the reverse layup. Those are the only three Santi Aldama plays last year, and like the rest of the year, like, and it's crazy how much better he looks because it was just like he couldn't hit anything last I was just year. Just to say his shot, like his form. I would say he always his form has always was there. His form was always there. He just couldn't hit shots last he year. Just couldn't hit shots, but now it's like he's shooting like. Shots in people's face, <laughs> like yeah. and it's still hitting. Like it's crazy. Yeah, like crazy. that, the, the development team in Memphis is just insane. Which uh, has my eyes on Zaire Williams. I'm, I mean, let me know when he comes back after after this. But like, yeah, just seeing all these player players develop. I mean, Zaire was was he 18 when he was drafted? Whatever, he was yeah. 19, played big minutes in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and yeah, injury setback. Um, but yeah, ten to nine. They said like four to six weeks, and that was like right at the beginning of the season. So like, we'll say he might be back by the end of November, November. early December. Zaire coming out of high school, a lot of people had him as like a top top lottery pick. See, that's really exciting. In college, that's when he just a lot of personal stuff just just kind of hurt his draft stock. And even then, he still was a lottery pick at number eight. Uh, Yeah, just his potential is obviously there. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the best examples of like you know ground pound Grizzlies development, like Dylan Brooks, who was like a late. Second round pick, right? Yep, second round pick. Desmond Bain, who was a late first round pick, like that. That's just you don't and see even that Brandon often. Clark too, because he was what like twenty one. So like they've they've done well. Like they've proved that late first round picks can still be valuable, and I think that's something. It's very Warriors esque. Yeah, and 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 I think that's something that you have to do in order to build contenders in small markets and then i feel like it goes to knowing your personnel like knowing what your team needs i feel like a lot of people or a lot of teams just pick players based like they just get players just to have them like oh there's the best talent which that is also cool true but a lot of times you honestly especially if you're a later round draft pick you need players that's going to step in and be able to help what your team specifically needs instead of banking on projects, I would like to say. Now, Wise, obviously, I can't say that the Grizzlies haven't got banked on projects because Santi Aldama was a project to a lot of people. But with that being said, we knew what our team needed, and we developed our team around that. So I feel like more teams, that's a a key. And another reason why the Warriors, because they know what their team needs. They see certain traits that they like in players, and they know that they can develop them. So I feel like that's a reason why. Okay, so – there's two more things I want to talk about before we close. The first thing, we, we just mentioned the Warriors. We do have to talk about the Warriors, how, how bad they've been. And the other thing 
to end is the Orlando Magic, right? Those are the two things I want to talk about. I want to start with the Warriors. Obviously, they don't want the championship this year. Not going to go like crazy in depth because honestly, I haven't watched them a ton. I've only seen probably like three of their games, I think. Uh, I watched their game against the Kings where they almost lost that game the other night. And it's like their starting five is still good. Like do, like that that core is still good. Clay is not the player he was before his injury right now. Uh, I don't know if maybe he can turn it on as the season goes on, but right now he doesn't look like that guy. He doesn't even look like as good as he did in the playoffs at times. He didn't even look that great in the playoffs. So I think that's one problem. Uh, Jordan Poole has not been yeah. playing well. Like in, uh, like under 40% from the field, under 30 yeah. from three. Is- he hasn't been playing well. And then the lineups with James Wiseman have been horrible. That's what I keep hearing is James Wiseman is like – traffic cone especially on defense like like dude you're seven one long it's like he hasn't he hasn't necessarily bought into their system which is great yeah like everyone kind of assumed oh now they got james wise but now it's getting even more scary and just seeing him just struggle this much i mean it's pretty it's really surprising to me one thing too that like their death lineup where a lot of people were talking about with jordan Poole, steph clay wiggins draymond that lineup, a lot of teams, a lot of teams got to see it in the playoffs, obviously. And they obviously scouted that when they were going against the Warriors. One thing we noticed is Draymond doesn't look as good on defense as he has in recent past. Like a lot of things that I've been noticing with Draymond, you know, Draymond, a lot of people claim bake him as a dirty player. Like, you know how he does like little stuff, like where he'll like kind of like pull down your shorts. Stuff. Yeah, do stuff like that. A lot of stuff that you'll notice is that the refs are starting to call on stuff like that. Mr. Uh, Warriors. And then the, another thing that I've seen, the Warriors are, like, one of the leading teams in fouls this season. Like, they average, like, I'm pretty sure it's the most or one of the most. It's, like, so top five. Just lazy defense. It's just, like, crazy. And Draymond averaged the most. Like, I think he's averaging, like, almost six a game. Like, he's averaging five, I'm pretty sure. Like, he's Jeez. it's crazy because they're just – it's just, like, Draymond, a lot of times, we knew he's never been the most athletic guy on the, the court. But a lot of his stuff was uh, want to – and a lot of dirty tactics. Like, Draymond, we can never fault his competitiveness. He's obviously one of the most competitive. But a lot of the stuff he did was cheap. Like, we we could just be honest. No but, so, with that being said, he's how old is he now? Like, 36, 37? They're, they're all, like, 34, 35. Like, they're all in their 30s. Exactly. So, with that being said, like, he, his age, is, his athleticism is obviously going down. And he's just, you're just starting to see him. He's not getting away with a lot of those same calls that – he used to in the past well and this is not to say that i'm writing off the warriors 13 games into the season or whatever 10 games into the season like be careful (laughs) like i still think that they're gonna make the playoffs i still think they're gonna be contenders but it's not it's not gonna be as easy as it has in the past for them like they have some real issues that they're gonna have to work through throughout the season like because even when you look at them last year and if you look at it like, in all the years that they won the championship, they've had great starts. Like, even that 2014-15 season where people say they w- would have lost if Kyrie and Kevin Love hadn't played, I think they started that season like 5 or 6-0 and and like 20-4. and four. Like, they started that season great. And then, obviously, the 73-9 and nine season, they started with like 23 games in a row. They started a little bit more shaky that season with KD. But when I say more shaky, I mean they might have lost five out of their first 15 instead of three out of their first 15 like they usually did the last couple years. And that was just kind of like trying to find 
I, I guess trying to like find their rhythm with each other, but they've never been under 500 this far into a season in a season where they won the championship. I can say this is one of the first times outside of their injuries that we've had doubt about the Warriors. Like, yes, genuine doubt. Because last season, people were like, oh. They started awesome last season. Exactly. Like, last season, some people had a little bit of doubt about the Warriors. Like, would they make it? But at the end of the day, the Warriors still looked very impressive. This season, we know what they're capable of, but Obviously, they're going to scare you, but it's still like a lot of doubt because obviously, Clay, you know, Clay is starting to get down to the end of his years. Draymond the same as well. Steph obviously still looks amazing. Forty-seven, dude. Last game. If it wasn't if it wasn't for Steph, the Warriors would not have won a game this See, season. See, that, exactly. that's like a trend. I'm not sure how factual this trend is. I just kind of like thought of it right now, but it's like the more points Steph average, the worse the team is. Exactly. No, it's, like it's thirty-two facts. this year. No, because like. His best statistical season was that season where they didn't even make the playoffs and they lost in the play-in game. About he was an MVP that year. Yeah, yeah. No, because and, – and I think this this team is more like that team than it is like their 2015 and like 2016 teams. And I don't know if it's just – like I, I guess losing Otto Porter Jr. and losing Gary Payton and like yeah. stuff like that. I guess that, that hurt them more than I thought that it would. Now, I think they are getting Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, who it, he can help them. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to be back, but they play I don't the, know. They play the Cavs tonight. That's going to be a that, that Yeah, that'll be a fun game. That'll be it's an interesting game to watch. But Ooh, yeah, I, I might have to catch 10 o'clock. Yep. Uh, I think it's the two highest, the two leading scorers in the NBA, Donovan and uh, Steph, both averaging 32. Yeah, they're, they're, they're both playing great. Uh, but then kind of before we close – we do. We have to talk a little bit about the Magic. Obviously, the Magic are three and nine, so not saying that they're going to do anything necessarily this season. But I will say they are the best bad team in the NBA. Competitive because, tanking, yeah, yeah <laughs> like competitive tanking at its finest. Because they're 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 putting the they're putting fear into people. They have so many assets. good young players. Yes. Like you think about it, from Cole Anthony to Paolo to Franz Wagner. Ooh. To Jalen Suggs, to R.J. Hampton, did I already say Bobo? No, you didn't no, say Bobo. Wendell Which Carter. I do. Oh, <laughs> can we count Tuma Okiki? Oh yeah, we can talk him too. Like, Former lottery. Yeah. This this is what I'm saying. Also, this is a Bobo stand podcast. Absolutely, I love Bobo. I'm nice. so glad that he's finally getting a chance to show. Every, because when you remember, even like in high school, like the high school tapes and the college tapes, like dude was awesome if he could just stay healthy. And they're finally giving him a chance, and he's proving that he can be a very good NBA player. And there's a lot of guys. Paulo Bonchero, easily the rookie of the year. Easily. He's pushing all-star. Yeah, like point. like literally. Like it's it's crazy to even think about that. But rookie of the year, best, like statistically, best rookie start since LeBron. And you could argue that his, his start has been better than LeBron's was because he did break some of those records that LeBron set. But like I said, my 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 number one comp for him, he's like Jumbo Carmelo Anthony. Like like that's that's the way I look at it. Like if Carmelo Anthony was a seven footer, he reminds me of Prime Blake Griffin, which I think is Pistons Blake Griffin. Yeah, yeah. that's what I see a lot of uh, skilled Blake Griffin in, in Paolo's game. If you look at Paolo play, it's like like we already said, he's pushing seven foot. He's what about what like two forty, two fifty. Yeah, like he's a big. He dude. plays so like if you look at him, he knows when to use finesse. 
and when to use his strength. Like you look, at and him he's only nineteen. Time. Exactly. Like you see him, like he'll Jeez. do some nice pull up jumpers when he has a weaker defender on him. He knows when to push their body into him. He's dunking on people like powerful dunk, and he just looks confident. Like if you look at them playing, even when he's missing shots, he still looks confident. And that's one thing that that this hard to see in rookies, especially when they first come in. And like I said, that just goes back to like I said on our earlier podcast. It goes back to like what Draymond was saying in the when he was watching him in the preseason that I just talking giving him a lot of praise, talking about how competitive he looks, how attention to detail he is, making people better, getting on to people. And even though it was just like early, those are certain traits that you love to see in players. Yeah, and I don't know. I, so I'll ask you guys this before we close. For the magic. Where do y'all see their ceiling for this season? I say a play-in team. I honestly Definitely. think they can get to the plan as a ninth. I say the highest ninth. I think they can maybe push eighth. I don't know if they can push. Like this is the thing. I, I see them ninth. because they have because they have young players. I think like by the All Star break, like right now they're six games under five hundred. I think by the time we get to the All Star break, they're going to be closer to around the five hundred mark. Just because, like, even though they have lost a lot of games, I think they're going to learn how to win. Exactly. And, and and I think that's something that you're going to see. And when you have the amount of talent that they have, I really think the Orlando Magic have a chance to be a play-in team. Now, if they go to the playoffs after that, I don't know about that. Yeah, But I think they could definitely be a team that sneaks into the play-in. And you yeah. talk about Paolo being a rookie. Bo Bo essentially, even though he's not a rookie, this is the first time he's really got to play. How is it a real yeah. role? Yeah. So, like. Even he's still learning himself. So, this, like you said, he's going to get more comfortable as the year goes on. It's just interesting to see. Yeah, the, I'd say the ceiling for the Magic. Yeah, top of the plane, like 9-10. Um, yeah, just I, I think their youth, that's their best part and kind of their worst part too. Um, and I don't think they'll make the play-in. I mean, they're what, 3-9 and nine right now? Yeah, they're, like the start of the season has hurt them. Like if they had started a little bit better, even if they were just like – Five and six or something. You know what I mean? Or yeah. like five and seven. I think they're just. I'll feel a little bit better about them. But just because they started so bad, it is going to be hard. But starting bad early means you have plenty of time to make up ground. So. Yeah. They have, obviously, the, their young players, you can put them up against, you know, anybody. Because the thing about their team, like their whole roster is young players. So they're just going to be one of those fun teams to watch, one of those league pass teams to watch this year. Very similar to the Rockets, I think. So nothing serious this year. But. Think about sure. in the coming years Because like we said We already talked about the assets Paolo looks nice So mm-hmm. think about the trades That they can have To build around Paolo Yeah They got a lot of options And as always I, I, I mean Just saying This season I think is going to be so exciting So be sure Everybody's listening Keep up with everybody on here uh, We're going to keep uh, doing these every week as often as possible and everything like that to give us uh, everything we think about everything that's going on in the league but for bryson keithan and justin we'll see y'all on the next one Peace.